Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Elo Phil podcast. As ever, the goal of this podcast is to dig a little bit deeper into how inspirational and aspirational guests approach their health and wellness. Essentially, I try to have the conversations that I think are important. By doing this, I think we create value outwards. As always, I appreciate you being here. This week's episode is with Charlie Wright. Charlie is the founder of Humantra, a brand that is only two years old but has grown very quickly. The core product as of now is electrolytes and the brand's DNA is to think, feel and perform better. So the synergies of Eat Look Feel are pretty obvious. We talk through Charlie's failures or lessons in business, why electrolytes are the single most valuable thing you can incorporate into your day-to-day to improve your health, how passion is a feeling as opposed to a hobby, how Charlie dealt with the passing of his father late last year, why Charlie has chop wood carry water tattooed on him, and more. This is Charlie Wright. How you doing, man? Good evening from, from Australia. Yeah, I appreciate you finding the time to come on. I'm excited uh, for this conversation. No, I'm super excited, man. Really appreciate it. So the way, the way I like to start the, the podcast is, is ask everyone the same question, uh, and that is how would you define health? So what does healthy mean to you, and how do you approach your own health? Yeah, this, this one really got me thinking today. I think like the one, the one word that comes back to me when I think about health is longevity. Um, and I think like we'll talk about it a little bit later down the line. I know one of the questions is about sort of my dad as well, but uh, my dad passed away in, in December and we looked at, you know, I looked at my dad and thought no amount of money was ever going to be able to make him better. Um, like we could have had a billion dollars and there was nothing we could do to make him feel better or change the course of, of his life. And I just think that you can't buy health. It's a product of like your everyday routine. It's a choice. And so for me, it's about how can I make the best possible choices to be able to live the longest, most fulfilling life. And I think that, yeah, the one word that comes to me all the time is the longevity piece. Like I don't just want to get in shape for a photo shoot for six weeks and it just be not functional. And I think the combination of longevity functional just allow me to do what i love doing for the longest possible time with the people i love doing things with that's health to me um and it has to be a product of functionality and longevity and that's really what it boils down to completely resonate i think it's the way to win the health game like it's you know health span is is the important word and, and it's like say just being able to be functional and healthy and be able to do the things you want for as long as you can is where the real yeah, I mean, how long, like, you know what, I had a period of time where, like, even the start of this year, I was doing CrossFit, and, like, and I was having a conversation with Ollie Marchal when we went to watch the football a couple of months ago, and he's like, are you enjoying CrossFit? And I was like, you know what, not really, because I'm injured all the time. He's like, well, why are you doing it then? And I was like, that's such a good point. Like, why am I doing it? What am I doing it for? And I think a lot of people don't actually ask themselves that question. Like, you almost do for the sake of doing. And I think I'm 33 now, and for the first time in my life, I'm actually, like, training doing what I enjoy doing, like there's actually like a reason behind it rather than just like a method 
like this method to the madness now whereas before i was like maybe following a trend or i want to get in this shape or i want to get this strong i want to do this and it just didn't tie into what i was doing and so like for me that health piece is it's so intrinsic and specific to you and i think so many people are so quick to like ask you what your diet is or what your training schedule is and it's like it's so like not relevant like i think health is super specific and it's yeah for me it goes back to that longevity and the functional piece and it's like but how i bet you've been there as well like you want to follow somebody else's diet or follow somebody else's training regime and you don't even know why because you want to get the results that they've got and it's like that doesn't even marry up to what i want it's just i went in that cycle for ages i think finally for me now it's like not about like being somebody else about being me making choices for me doing what i enjoy doing for the benefit of like longevity and being able to do stuff for as long as possible i think it's an intention piece as well it's, it's having that intention to everything that you're doing um and just having that sort of marry up with like you say how many times is this probably the, the most asked question i reckon i get is you know what do you eat in a day what do you you know how do you yeah. do that sort of thing i mean I'm sure you get the same thing and it's it's not relevant like you say it's, it's not like what i eat in a day probably isn't going to help you everybody everybody's playing their own game do you, on that though, it's like I listened to Seabum on Chris Williams' yeah. podcast and he's like, he will not tell people the specific amounts of things he's taking because then people are like, right, well, I'll start taking that. And then when they don't look like Seabum, they're immediately like, well, I'm taking what he's taking, but I don't look like... And it's like, there's just disparity in like results versus action. And it's like, everybody's so specific. And it's like, you just, just run your own race. And, and you have to look at it like that. And, and, and one from a physical point of view, but also just from a lifestyle point of view, like, you know, we all have different stresses we all have different jobs we all have different routines like if it's impossible for us to give out sort of generic and blank like blanket advice and that's why like some of the, some of the advice that i do and whenever i start with with a new client is the first thing we look at is like make sure everything you're doing is with intention a bit like what we spoke about so and is yeah. that intention aligning one with where you want to go and two with everything else in your life is it taking you from like from a health improvement point of view is it taking you to actually where you want to be or are you kind of just doing things because that's what you've seen your someone on social media do or your friends that are doing it and you really like it and you know what what serves you what you enjoy because you know if you don't enjoy things you're never ever going to keep it up find the ways in which you enjoy and that you can build into your life and it almost becomes automated and then actually you get to the stage where you're doing these things because it's serving you and because you love it and you actually get addicted to it you get addicted to feeling good there's no one in the world who doesn't love feeling better you feel better and then it's an easy game right then it's motivation is not a thing because you're just doing it because it serves you and there's a big there's a lot to sort of take from that and i think a lot of people can learn hey what was that quote you put on social the other day about like people like mistake like high skill for consistency uh, i think it was really i think that that's routine, really like, yeah like i think that's fundamentally what it goes down to like everything is reps right you just keep doing stuff repeatedly and it's like the only way you can do things over a long period of time and show up is when i think when you enjoy it and it's like how many times have i started doing xyz and it lasts like you said six weeks or eight weeks and you're like this is this is shit i'm gonna stop doing it but the moment I found something that I enjoy doing, like for me, like five-a-side football, right? I don't really get any benefit out of it apart from I absolutely love it. And once a week, it's like an hour of my time when like I haven't got time to think about anything else because I'm just trying to focus on what's happening in the pitch. Like I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about like anything else apart from what I'm doing right there and then. And it's like that for me is enjoyable. And so I do it every week. And obviously the skill level is not obviously where it, 
you know, top level, but it's just really enjoyable. And so I do it every Wednesday. And I think that, and I just like, how can I replicate that more often? I just want to do things that I enjoy. Like, why would you not? Like, I don't want to go and sit and do like a, I don't know. I don't want to go for a run for 60 minutes. Like some people do, but like, just because everyone's running on Instagram doesn't mean I should go running because I don't enjoy it. Just everyone else is like, I'd rather go and play football for 60 minutes. So I think finally getting to the, like, I'm 33 now, but it's taken a long time for me to be like, let's block out the noise and let's do fundamentally what I enjoy doing. Yeah. So let's, let's just rewind a little bit and go back to, I want to hear more about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, um, and then kind of the journey to where you are now with obviously, you know, owning Humantra and, and seeing the growth that you are with that. How long you got? Um, Look, man, I think from, so I uh, finished school at 18, um, then I went to university in Exeter, I studied to be a lawyer. Um, and I think after a couple of weeks, I was like, I do not want to be a lawyer, but it was, it was a great time for me. Um, I learned a lot, I learned how to write, I learned how to speak in public, frame arguments, like that was brilliant. But the whole university piece was a little bit lost on me. Like I felt like I could have done what I did in three years in 12 months and not because I was intelligent, just because I had so much time on my hands. Um, and then finished university and then I moved to Dubai and I've sort of been in Dubai now for the last 10 years, effectively. Um, I had a corporate job, like grad scheme for about five years, um, which I, I was pretty solid at. Like I had a whole career mapped out in front of me, which would have been great for some people. But I was like at 27, I was sort of like, I mean, I'm pretty good at something I really don't like. So like, how good could I be at something that I do really like? And I think that sort of ties into the theme of the first question, right? And so I ditched the corporate piece. I was like, fuck this. Let's just go and do something for myself. And I left that in January 2017. And so since then now, for the last six years, I'm, I'm on my third business now. And each one has progressively got better. The first one was a complete, complete clusterfuck. Um, but for context, like I'd always wanted to do an MBA, um, before I started that business. And I think I would have, I never did an MBA because I feel like I learned more in that 12, 18 months of that first business, actually like spending my own cash, losing my own money and the stress that goes with that and everything like that whole period of time. But yeah, so, so I did that and obviously loads of lessons learned, um, and then sort of, it was a tough time to, to move away from that business and then started a, a contact lens business in the e-com space. Um, did that for sort of two years as well. Sort of learned everything I needed to learn really from an e-com perspective. Again, learn how to spend my own money and, and literally set fire to it. I think that's largely what starting a business is actually like. Um, and then fast forward to sort of 2021 post-COVID and, and then Humantra sort of, the idea was sort of, born and then you know fast forward two years which have been the most crazy two years of my life um from a business perspective and i think really my sort of health and wellness journey probably only really started about 18 months ago um i think for a long period of time during sort of my entrepreneurship days like i neglected my health completely um and i was very married to the performance of the business like if there was and because the performance of the business was often very low it meant that my mood was completely low all the time and so i would eat all the time eat rubbish i wouldn't train i was in this negative cycle 
And I think actually, and it brings it on like with my dad's health and declining health, it sort of put a big shift in in what I sort of deem to be valuable and not valuable. And that's sort of where my health and, and wellness sort of journey came into it. And then sort of Humantra was born and and here we are present day. Um, but yeah, that's a, in a nutshell, just been a load of lessons learned. I've always just wanted to try. And I've like that resilience piece has always been prevalent. Like there've been days when I wanted to give up, but something like this dark drug just says like, nah, you'll wake up tomorrow and you can go again. And here we are like, yeah, almost seven years later from quitting that corporate job. I mean, look, it's been, it's been horrific at times, um, but I wouldn't change any of it. I appreciate sharing. Um, one, one thing that I took massively from that is the, that idea that you were almost letting the business sort of be in control of your health as opposed to letting your health control the business. And I think that's such an interesting sort of concept. And I think actually it spreads further than just business alone in terms of setting yourself up health-wise to be the best version that you can is so valuable for to be the best businessman that you can, to be the best partner that you can, to be the best son, to be the best, whatever you need to be in your world. I don't think there's many things that don't also benefit from health, but it starts from that health journey. Whereas it's so easy to fall oh. into that train like yeah. you did where, you know, you have all these, what you're told are like almost priorities and you think you're almost, I think people feel there's an element of feeling selfish to prioritize their own time. And, you know, to find when you've got yeah. a business and things are pretty crazy, it's difficult to find an hour to train a day and then eat well and then really prioritize your sleep. Like, you know, there's, there's always trade-offs you can make. But I think what I really like from that is that you, I, I guess it's probably not a coincidence that business has started improving as you've started going on a health and wellness journey. Would you agree? 100%. Yeah, I think if I look back and like the person I was, um, was it was horrific. Like I would wake up and I would I was a totally different person. I'm like, and I look back, I took complete accountability for it. But there's no excuse. You can always make time. It comes down to priorities. And I think you suddenly get into this spiral of like feeling sorry for yourself. And then when you find energy to maybe pull yourself out of that slump, and then you've got a bit of capacity to to be able to perform for a piece. But then it's like, for me, I just sort of turned to like food. Uh, my sleep was really poor. My mood was really low. Like I was drinking at the time. Not like I wasn't, didn't have a problem with drink at all, but like I used alcohol as a way of escaping reality. And I think that, you know, when I saw the early stages of Humantra, like I stopped drinking two years ago in September. And I'd say like getting rid of alcohol and then sort of going on this journey of health and wellness like it's been everything has coincided with me basically ditching the booze interesting and you've been completely sober yeah like i've got no interest in alcohol whatsoever like my partner alex doesn't drink um like i don't drink and like you get through that phase of like the all your friends the peer pressure piece but actually i think more and more prevalent now is like people are starting to like drink less or you know or just and I think that people are a little bit more accommodating for it. And um, like I use alcohol for all the wrong reasons. Like I use it to, to try and build confidence and to try and escape from reality. And I think once I understood that I didn't, I didn't need alcohol to, 
boost my confidence anymore and I didn't need to escape the reality that I was in. I didn't actually like the taste of alcohol. Like I just drank it because it was almost socially acceptable and the right thing to do. Um, but I, the compounding bad decisions I'd make off the back of drinking alcohol, how it made me feel, what it does to your body. I think for me, just saying no to that, it was a really easy decision, even from like a financial perspective. Like at the time, like, you know, business was tough. Like money wasn't flush. I wasn't flush with money. And suddenly, you know, like, whereas people don't mind spending whatever amounts of money every weekend on alcohol. Whereas for me, like I suddenly removed that and I had more time, I had more capacity, I had more money. And I think that everything for me, and I'm not saying like my life has changed because I ditched, ditched alcohol, but there is a definite correlation between me making better health conscious decisions and my life going in a more positive direction. I speak to people about quite often and it's like you say, there's not actually like, of course, health improves and of course, like decisions improve and everything like that. I guess the big I'm just trying to put myself in, in the headspace of someone potentially listening. Um, I guess the big caveat to it is the social life. And that's, yeah. I think, I think a lot more people would give up alcohol. But for me, for prime example, like I don't, I don't particularly enjoy alcohol. It's not like I ever get to the stage where I'm like, oh, I really fancy yeah. a drink, but I do still drink socially. Like, you know, if it's a birthday or if it's, you know, I'm with, I'm with some of my closest friends and we're having a drink or however that kind of looks, I, I still do. Um, and I guess that's, did, did you find it difficult from a social perspective of dropping the alcohol? Yeah, I think what was, what, I was fortunate in the time that I gave up drinking, like I was like building the early stage of business anyway. So I think my social life was on a bit more of a decline anyway. So I almost had an excuse not to be around alcohol. And I think then by the time I, when started socializing again, it was more aligned to people that were not like my friends changed at all, but I was spending more time with people that understood why I wasn't drinking. And because I had the confidence in my decision that I knew it was the right thing to do, I'd gone past that stage of like questioning it. And so I was like, this is it, take it or leave it. I mean, I went on a, a ski in stag do in March. And like, don't get me wrong, like it was, it was great, but it's like got to points where like at 10 o'clock at night when there's like a small room and there's two speakers on with two different, two different like songs on at the same time, like you just step out and you go and, you know, go, go, go to sleep. But I think for me, it's like, you can still have fun and you can still go and have, you know, I'd rather go for dinner than go to a nightclub and talk to people. And I think, I just think people just maybe use that as an excuse not to. But it's like I've got a couple of friends that love drinking and love the taste of alcohol. They've moved to like 0% now. And it's like they still get the fix of alcohol and the taste because they like the taste, but they're obviously not making, they're not getting the sort of the health ramifications that booze puts on them. So I was like, look, it's everyone's, again, it goes back to that health piece, right? That we spoke about earlier on. It's, it's intrinsic to you. It's specific for you. And I knew that for me, it was a trade-off I was willing to make. My social life was going to change and I would rather have my decision of not boozing as the prerogative in my life as opposed to I'm going to go out and go and make decisions to please other people and drink alcohol I don't want to drink. And I think for me, that's what it boils down to. It's like, yeah, it's up to you. If you, don't, if you want to carry on and be social and you want to drink, like, I've got no problem with people drinking at all. Like I'm happy to be around people that drink. Like I'm not like you need to give up. Um. But for me specifically, it was a trade-off I was willing to make. So I was like, I, I didn't really care. Yeah. 
I think that's, and I think actually all the, the complete power lies in that where it's it, a lot of it depends on your environment and the type of people that you are socializing with, you know, like if you need yeah. alcohol to socialize with people, it's probably a bigger problem, right? Like as in, and, and to be honest, if people are going to judge you and make you feel bad or make you feel whatever for, for not, then I mean, the harsh reality of it is it probably says a lot more about that relationship than anything else. Yeah. I mean, how many people, I know people that try to give a booze for like a month and they've got friends saying to them like, oh, I'm going to break you. I'm going to crack you. I'm like, why? Like, why would that, why would you need to do that? Like, it's funny how like the, the human psyche works, but like, I was lucky, like my friends took the piss to begin with. And then suddenly they realized, like, Charlie doesn't drink anymore. So it's boring taking the piss. Let's just enjoy him for who he is. And I think that that's the best place to be. And like you said, like if your mates are not happy with it, then you're probably knocking around with the wrong people. Um, and it's like, like Alex, my partner, she doesn't drink. Like I said, like my friends and like, we're getting older now. So I like would go out, you know, until two, three in the morning. It just doesn't happen. It's like, um, like I would rather go for dinner than go to a bar. I would rather train with my mates. Like, how good is it? Like just throwing it down on a Saturday morning or getting sweaty, working through something like that for me is way more enjoyable than going and dropping a load of cash and like listening to music that I really don't like. Like that, it's just choice. I said this. I actually said this conversation with um, with some of my mates. We were, we were actually away last weekend on a stag do in uh, Ibiza, and I literally said, "Like, yeah. boys, you don't understand how good it is to just hit the track on a sunny day with your boys. Like, it is easily yeah. as good as this. Easily, like, but people don't. I guess people that don't do it don't know it. And it's like, no. trust me, go and have a sprint or whatever it is in your world. Have a throw down." Go for a run, whatever it is. Go, go with a few of the boys. Like that's socialising, and I think, I think it's yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. That for me, like, it would be way more enjoyable. And I think that it just goes again. It fundamentally goes to the again where you spend your time. And I think on, if I go back to the that health piece for me, like it wasn't just like what I was consuming, like food and drink wise. Like I was pretty harsh on what I was consuming, both in like social content what I was reading, what I was watching, who I was spending my time with. Like I almost went on this complete, like, like everything detox. Like how can I remove like negative energy from my life, negative people, like negative content. And I just sort of like, I, you know, and followed people on social that were friends I went to school or university with. Cause I was like, I only want to follow people that when I go on my feed, I'm being pushed up, I'm being inspired. And I think that like, Making those decisions have impacted me massively. And I just think it goes back to that. It's like spend time with people that are going to benefit you, that are aligned with where you want to get to. And I just think like you can't go wrong with that. And I think like for me now, it's like I still see like all my friends that I need to, but in settings that like I feel comfortable in, that I'm still going to have a good time in. And then every now and then you throw a stag do in and you're like, you, it's, you're still with your boys, so you're going to have a good time. But um, yeah, I just know what I like doing and who I like spending time with. And I just try and make sure that happens as much as possible. I really like that. Yeah, I can resonate massively. I, I went through, probably done a similar, similar thing. Whether it's an age thing, um, I don't know, early 30s, I think you just get to the stage where you just, you really yeah. know what you're about and you don't, you don't want to put up with like the stuff that doesn't serve you. And also, to be honest, I think as well, like a huge part of it is having your own business because when it's you in the arena, 
every single day. You're solely accountable. And I'm, I'm, I know you'll be able to resonate with this, but it's like, you can't have days where, you know, you're coasting. You can't have days where you're not really feeling your best. You're not, your brain's not working. Like, because if it does, the business takes a hit. It's as simple as that. Like you're so in- yeah. accountable. You're so involved that I think then things that start affecting that naturally just kind of, you, you kind of start asking yourself the question as to well, why am I, why am I putting up with this? Why am I, you know, why am I drinking if actually it's causing me a couple of days of feeling foggy? And it's not like we have corporate jobs where you can kind of go in and coast for a yeah. couple of days, get your head down and, you know, by six o'clock you switch off. Like, as you know, this stuff doesn't sleep. Like, and you have a, you have a bad few weeks where you're not quite at it. Things take a hit. Like you have, you know, you have responsibilities, you have accountability to the business. And I think that ties in massively because then that becomes sort of motivation to cut these things. Like super, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's like you say, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? To cut out the bad people, to really focus in on on creating an environment that, that serves you, and whether that's like including alcohol, not including alcohol, whether that's you know making sure the gym's close to you, whether that's only spending time with the specific people that really drive you and motivate you and put you in a good headspace, like all of those things. When you start curating that, also I think as well when you start feeling good, as as almost you said earlier, you start realizing that everything, you know, business is progressing well. I feel good. I'm healthier than I was. It becomes addictive. Like it becomes. Mate, I totally agree. I think for me, like there's the analogy of like filling your cup, right? And I used to hate the analogy. And I think the way I look at it now is that for a long time, like my cup was empty, but I was trying to fill up other people's cups and it would just drain me. Whereas I think for the first time in my life, I feel like my cup is overfull, is overfilling. And so I've got an ability to basically fill other people's cups without the detriment of my cup being decreased. And I think for me, it's like I'm now a very high energy person. And so I align myself with high energy people. And it's like, I think that, I mean, that's fun, it's energy flow, right? And this sounds really like ironic, but when you even just look at the water piece, like we are all just positive and negative electrons. That's essentially what we are. And so like, it is just energy. And it's like the more high energy around, I, for me, like I just wake up every morning and I feel like, and this sounds like romantic and maybe like people think I'm <laughs> fucking stupid, but like I genuinely love what I do every day. And it's like taking like, and I always look at it, it's a delayed gratification piece because it's taken me seven years, decisions I made seven years ago and for the large part of those seven years, it was fucking miserable. But I feel like now I'm in a position where I'm like, I love what I do. I love who I spend my time with. I love the, the business and the work that I do. And, the, and like for me, like that is just so fulfilling that why would I not wake up every day with high energy? And like, why would I want to compromise that by making a poor decision or like neglect my health? Because I want to be able to do it for as long as possible. I want to feel like this for as long as possible. And like that self-fulfilling prophecy for me, where it's like, and again, it just goes back to that, and we'll talk about it well, with the chop would carry water. It's like, I just want to do more of what I'm doing. And like, it's, I mean, it's addictive. And I feel like I don't need like stimulants. So yeah, I fucking need coffee every morning. Don't get me wrong. But I don't feel like I need to go and seek external validation just because I'm like, I'm on the right track. I love what I do. And it's super powerful. Good for you, man. I love that. I love that. Um, I love that you're in a place like that. And I love the gratitude. I think it's so, it's so important because it's so hard 
and like I know it like is in it in a world especially like in in the arena that you're in it's it's in a world where it's always easy to just push for more want more you can always have more like you always will be able to have more and like you know profit might be here but it could be here and it could you could sell you've sold this amount it could yeah. be this amount and it's difficult to actually have the say presence and gratitude to sit still and say you know what I actually love where things are at and I'm proud of myself for making those decisions um because we live as as we know we live so so everything's so quick right everything's so fickle so good for yeah. you I, I used to live literally like I used to be like, when I get to here, I'll be happy. Or when this happens, or when I get this money, like this will happen. And then you get there and it, nothing changes. And I was just living in this constant, like, oh, how can I get further ahead? How can I be further down the line? Because I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. Like, I was so outcome oriented. I thought that would change how I feel. And I think for me, like, I, because I enjoy the day to day, that it's like if there is a poor performance or something does go wrong, it doesn't affect me nearly anywhere near as much. And maybe that's a lot to do with experience as well. But it's like I remember right, I write a letter to myself every Christmas, like on, on New Year's Eve and just send it to myself for the next year and I can read it. And if I look at some of the letters I sent myself for the last couple of years, like I was just horrific, man, like to a point where I was like, I just wasn't really bothered, like. If somebody said to me, like, oh, it's all going to end tomorrow, like, I'd be like, yeah, no worries. Like, it's, this is just, just, this is really difficult. Whereas if somebody told me tomorrow that I had like six weeks to live, like, it would be the worst thing on the planet. Like, it, I don't, it would be horrific. And I just think that that's come from so much hard work, both like introspective hard work, but also like just, just experience as well. So, again, I think, yeah, super grateful. And it's just like that. I just love what I do. And life is so good. But like, believe me, this is not rich coming from me. Like, oh, I've had it. Like, it's been like shit for a long period of time. But I think that just goes back to that rep piece of just like, keep, keep going, keep doing. And like, ultimately, those failures, they're not failures. It's just you trying. And I think just keep going. And I, like, I, I feel like I'm, I've come out the other side and look, there'll be dark days ahead, no doubt about it. But I feel like I'd be in such a good place to be able to combat those darker days compared to like when I was younger, where it's like something bad happens, fucking out, shit hits the fan, like go and like go and drink, try and escape from it, like react emotionally, take it out on your part. Like it, none of that, all of that would have happened previously. Whereas now it's like, okay, something bad's happened. How are you going to fix it and then move on? And what do we learn from it? And I think that that's just, for me, and I think that's the benefit of like coming out from all the shit to something good. And that's that gratitude is so prevalent in my life. Yeah. Um, one thing I took from that a lot, and it's something that I actually, I think about it a lot. And it's that it's almost the piece where it's that, like they say, amateurs focus on the goal and professionals focus on the process. And it's something that I, I honestly think yeah. about it so much in terms of like, am I, what, what, what are you trying to build? Is it, is it my perfect day to day? Because if I can build my perfect day to day, I think that's how you win the game as opposed to like a certain rev number or a certain, you know, whatever the, like the, the profit of the business and just drive, drive, drive. Like, cause that can always be more and actually just zooming out and just focusing on your day to day. Do you love what you do day to day? Are you looking after yourself? Are you going in a direction? Cause you know, deep down, everyone knows deep down, like maybe, m maybe people potentially younger and they're still kind of like when i was early 20s i probably didn't but as you come in sort of towards your late 20s and yeah. into your early 30s you know if you like your day-to-day -day. like you know if you and, and if you don't i think it's really difficult to then go and achieve 
what you need to achieve. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and take things to the next level. Um, but what, what else I really liked there was the, what you sort of mentioned about the failures and the setbacks that you've, you've kind of been through over the years th- through the business. And it's something that I see so, so much. It pr- essentially every, every, you know, high level business owner that I've had on this podcast is exactly the same thing. Like failures, are, it's where you learn. You learn absolutely nothing from winning and you learn so, so much from failing. And it's just failing is the wrong word. Like yeah. it's almost like you articulate it as lessons. Um, but do you, do you put a lot of, of those say lessons down to the success that Humantra is having today? Yeah. I feel like the only I'm the operator I am today because of, I'm a product of the decisions I've been making. It goes to that delayed gratification. Like I think if I use one example, like I mean, we used to in my previous business, we used to use agency to do our media buying. And I knew nothing about how to buy media. Literally, I couldn't even question the agency we were using and what they were doing. And I remember performance wasn't quite right. And we'd had no money in the bank and we had to let them go. And so at that point, it's like we'd spent a lot of money every month. But and I was like, I need to learn how to do it. And like, and then obviously learning how to do it and then being able to do it stood me in good stead moving forward. But those small things, like I was just spending cash on things that I wasn't even in tune with. Like I didn't even, I was, I was trusting somebody else with the growth of my business. And I didn't even have the capacity to try and learn what they were doing so I could hold them accountable. I think that that was hugely important for me. And then that pushed me straight into this idea. Suddenly I was spending my own money on Facebook, on Meta now. And I was, you know, you're literally setting fire to cash because it's like, you don't know if it's going to work on it. And it's your own money, which is really fucking scary. But I think for me, and that's the biggest lesson I've learned, it's like spending your own money and losing your own money teaches you the value of a dollar or a pound or whatever. And I think that is the most valuable lesson i've ever had i was fortunate growing up you know like i didn't want that you know it's not like we had my parents were flush but you know they worked hard and they gave me all the opportunities i needed in the world and so you know my relationship with money was like not like disrespected it but i I didn't really understand the true value of of like the true value of money and so I think like that for me was probably the biggest lesson I learned, like spending your own money and then how to be better with it was massively important. And I just think today, and I look back, it's probably the best lesson. Like I'm super frugal. And I think that's probably the, the most important part of like my aspects as an operator. Like I'll spend cash, I'll take risks now because I've been through and spent my own money. But I would not be, there's no way I could be doing what I'm doing now had I not fucked up repeatedly for like six years before this. And I think that, you know, Chris Williamson talks about it as well. Like, you know, people launch a podcast and no one's listening to it, but people are scared to do more of it in case people, no one listens. And it's like, when you push through the noise, like, so you can fail loads because no one's really watching. And so for me, I had an opportunity to try and test a load of things. And in reality, no one was really paying attention. So I could make these mistakes. I could learn what was important, what consumers looked for and how, how I wanted to be as an operator moving forward. And so it's like, goes back to that point. I said, like, I wanted to do an MBA, but an MBA is just like, in reality, it's just theory. Whereas I just had like pure execution, learn on the spot, like spending your own money. So for me, yeah, it was like a poison chalice in a such that at the time it was fucking horrific. 
But at the same time, like, whereas now, even though I'm still figuring it out every day, like, believe me, I do not know the plan, what I should or shouldn't be doing, but I figure out every day. That's the, that's the same, like, that's still prevalent. Like, I still haven't got, like, this playbook of how this works. Like, I'm still figuring out. I think largely a lot of people are. But I also know that I wouldn't be where I am had I not made the, you know, million fuck-ups that have come before sort of today. And say, let's go back to when you, because I think a lot of people will be in a very similar position to the, potentially the guy that you were seven years ago, right? So you're in this corporate job, your future's laid out. Like, yeah. you know, you can, you can climb the ladder. It, you know, it's comfortable. It's, you're on a good salary. Your, your day to day is not a disaster. Uh, but it's not really fulfilling you. You know, you kind of know you've got, got more to give. You've kind of got, you want to go and create your own thing. You want to, you know, you've got an idea, whatever it is in, in your world. Do you have any advice to people that potentially feel like the guy that you did? Was it, was it a case of, you know, just, uh, I've got to just throw myself into the arena. Were you scared when you did it? Was it something that you were, you know, you were talked into by role models or potential other people? Question. I think, do you know what? It's ironic that I thought I, I thought I was going to do something I was really passionate about. And it took me seven years to really find what I was passionate about. So it's like I would really introspectively look at what makes you exceptionally passionate because it's like when it gets really difficult, like, and your only fallback option is like, oh, I fucking love this because you've lost all the capacity to do the work. But if you still love it, you'll carry on doing it. And it's like there's been times when it's like, for me, like I always wanted to have my own business. I wanted to be responsible. I wanted to like be the master of my own ship, not from a like an, an arrogant perspective, but like finding what that was took a long time. But fundamentally for me, it was like, okay, when the darkest days come, if I truly love what I'm doing, then I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And I think for me, like in your 20s, I put far too much responsibility on my shoulders. Like it's, your 20s are there to like learn as much as possible. Like, you know, 30s go and earn your money. For me, like, if I look back, if I could go and say to my 21-year-old self, I'd be like, go and learn as much as possible. Like, go work for that agency. Go do that corporate piece. Because I think, like, being a part of an organization, and because I was, did, like, a quasi-grad scheme, I was exposed to, like, loads of facets of business. And so at the time, it was a combination of I learned from leaders that I thought were really bad, but what I learned from them was like, that's how I don't want to be when I'm in a position to lead people. And I learned loads of different facets of business. And I think, so I think actually being in a job or working for companies can be great. And so my ethos would definitely be like, go and serve your time, go and do some time in business, go and learn from people, ask a load of questions, get paid salary, have a good time. And use that time to really work, find out what you're passionate about, maybe save some cash. And, and then once you've like built up a body of money, because look, don't get me wrong, like money for me was the, the, what caused me the most sleepless nights. Like, how am I going to pay rent? You know, and I was getting married at the time. How am I going to pay for the wedding? How am I going to do X, Y, Z? And that keeps you up and on. Money problems are the worst. So for me, my advice would be like, go and work for people and ask a load of questions and spend their money and learn those lessons. And then at the same time, like concurrently work on 
try and find out what you're really truly passionate about. And I don't mean like, oh, I love I love watching football the weekends. I want to go and do a business at football. Like I think passion is so much more deeply rooted than just like a superficial outcome. I think it's like how does thing how like how do you want to feel? Like, and for me, it was about like being responsible every day. But that was what I was really passionate about, like having mass impact. Like, how could I touch the lives of as many people as possible in a positive way? By the mind, I didn't know this at 25. And I'm not saying like I'm not passionate about cricket or golf. Like it was about like what I really wanted to do. And so like once I learned that and that passion was more less like outcome oriented, more how it made me feel. And then I was away to the races. And then ultimately it just comes down to just trying over and over again and never giving up. I love that. I love that idea of passion being a feeling as opposed to a hobby or something sort of like yeah. Because I mean, how often... If you, if you go on that, it's like, okay, what, yeah, what is, okay yeah. you love football, right? Okay, football's your hobby. Okay, well, why do you, why do you love football? What is it about football you love? And then I think then if you detach the football piece from the feeling, you'll be able to find that feeling from other things as well. And I think that when you go after those feelings, that's what passion is. So, so good. And I think that that's when, and it took me a long time to work that out, you know, because it's like, oh, because my first business was in like gaming, in esports, like computer game. I wanted to build like a a technology platform that allowed people to, to play gaming competitions in the Middle East. I wasn't like I thought I was passionate about gaming. I wasn't at all. But then I like, and so then I went into the contact lens space. But what I was really passionate about was like building community. Like the underlying ethos between both of those businesses was around bringing people together, like being part of something bigger. Same with doing with Humanta in that sense, like touching people on a on a daily daily basis, and that then gave me the greatest satisfaction. So it wasn't in like a, a superficial hobby or a discipline. It was I was passionate about how it made me feel. And that for me was it unlocked everything. So so good. It's it's like similar to the health piece, isn't it? It's like, you know, no one no one's actually passionate about training. Like you're passionate about the feeling. No. Like passionate about the feel good factor, the endorphins, the way you're, you know, you can do the stuff you need to do with your body outside of the gym. Like that's the that's where the passion is. And I love that idea. You, like you, your passion is probably like seeing the results your clients get and how it makes them feel. Not like the actual, oh, I'm going to build a program for this person in the next 12 weeks and then I'm going to keep them accountable. Like that's not what you're passionate about. You're passionate in like a results-based outcome. And that for me is like way more prevalent. And then some people then think, oh, if I'm going to go and I'm really passionate about, I don't know, candles. And they go and try and build a business about candles and suddenly think, oh, I'm not actually that passionate about candles. And it's like, oh, and then maybe the business falters and then you don't carry on because it's not, it doesn't like do something inside. It doesn't motivate you to get out of bed in the morning. And I don't like that word motivation, but I think it's, it can be super important at some stages in life. But yeah, if you, and that goes back to what I love doing. Like I've, I've worked out what I love doing and how it makes me feel. And that for me is like that drug that just just pushes me forward every day. Resonate massively. I went through a similar thing myself with the sort of modeling industry. So you know, and I still model now, and and I love it for what it is, and and some of the opportunities it's given me. But it, the same happened to me. Like late twenties, I got to the stage where I was just kind of like, I don't feel anything towards this. This is just a job. Like this is just yeah. emails coming through. Right, what's the rate? Okay, cool. Yeah, like 
and it's cool working with great brands and you know seeing potential billboards and stuff it's, it is fun but there was something that it never i was never passionate about it because of that exact reason there was no feeling there towards it it was just kind of like it was almost an empty feeling no. to be honest because you're kind of like in this weird yeah. industry where you're like i'm not doing anything i'm not achieving anything here i just look how i look like i'm getting booked on and, and it's empty do you know what i mean and i think it gets i think it gets a lot of people and i speak to a lot of models and people that have been in that industry my age and there's a, there's a common theme is that, and I think to be honest, is why there's a big mental health sort of issues coming out of the modeling industry. The other side is that because it's that yeah. you feel empty, you feel like I've got more to give the world than yeah. this. Like I'm just, I look the way I look and yeah, it's great. And it's potential dopamine and, you know, people telling you that, yeah, oh, yeah, like it looks great, but there's no, there's no passion behind it. There's no feeling there of like you say, when I work with a client and we improve their health over a period of time and you get the messages saying, man, I feel so good. I'm so glad I believed in everything you say. Like it's, it's different. It's, it's, do you know what I mean? And, and then like you said, then the energy comes as a product of that because you get out of bed in the morning and you're like, I want to go to work. I want to get on my laptop. I want to speak to my clients. What's different. And then like that feeling, how like, let's say you got one brand that's going to pay you X amount of money and that's 10 times more than what the client's going to pay you to have that transformation. I guarantee you the feeling you get from the passion piece that you get paid less for feels way better than doing something you don't care about doing, which is not sustainable long-term and just like puts money in your bank account. Like, and for me, like life isn't like about monetary gains. Of course it's important, but it's like that feeling of doing what you love and it being sustainable and it's that you can do it all the time. That is like, for me, is like the best possible outcome. So good. Let's go back to uh, the electrolyte piece. So obviously, Humantra, for people that don't know, yeah. Humantra's core product at the moment, correct me if I'm wrong, but the core, the core product is obviously the electrolyte drinks. Um, I use myself, literally got it yeah. sitting here. Let's talk electrolytes. So, you know, like why, why electrolytes? Are they, are they important to everybody? Um, what, sort of, what time of day would you take them? Give us the kind of like... Give us the lowdown. Yeah, I think like for me, like deciding what I wanted Humantra to be really revolved around like my own health and wellness journey. And I think when it went back to that sort of detox idea with everything, like, and I was training more, I was like, well, how can I make sure and at the time I was training double sessions a day? Um, it wasn't sustainable, but I was like, how can I fuel these sessions correctly? I think what came was super prevalent to me was that like you could not eat for a week and you would be fine or you'd still be alive. But if you didn't drink for a week, you'd be dead. And I was like, everyone's looking for like a quick fix. Like, I don't know, I'll go and drink C4 before going to go into the gym and have this like crazy like stimulant response. But so many people like overlook the absolute foundational elements of health and wellness. And so for me, the most foundational health piece is optimal hydration. And it just so happens to be the most overlooked health piece. So how many people do you hear like, oh, I need to drink more water. I never drink enough water. Like, same adage, everyone's got the same old excuses. I was exactly the same because I didn't really understand the importance of hydration. And I think that that sort of self-discovery for me was really important and then from there i sort of understood that like hydration is not just a water thing to be optimally hydrated you need to be drinking you know optimal amount of water but also minerals so you need to be minerally hydrated 
So in theory, you could drink bottle after bottle of water and still be dehydrated because your body needs these six core electrolytes or minerals. And I use those words interchangeably. And those minerals are not naturally created in the body. So unless you're supplementing them into your daily routine through diet or supplements, then you're not getting some of the most important foundational health benefits that you can get. Your body just doesn't function optimally. And so in my mind, like, why would I want to try and fix everything up here when I just go and try and fix the most foundational health piece? And that was my hydration. And so for me, like, I wake up and I drink Humantra immediately waking up. I think it's the most important time of the day, wake up and start your day. You've not drunk or eaten for effectively eight hours, hypothetically. So it's like the most important time to hydrate. As a business and as a brand, we're trying to build uh, sort of education around proactive hydration. You know, a lot of people message saying, should I take this after working out? And yeah, absolutely. You should replenish minerals after working out, definitely. You know, you lose sodium after when you sweat. But like, I would rather go into the gym being optimally hydrated, knowing that my body's in the best possible position to be able to perform. I'd rather go into, into work knowing that my body's in, that my brain cognitively is in the best possible position to be able to function correctly. And that's the thing. It's not just about physical performance. Like your cognitive performance is so, like our brain is 75% water. And it's like, if your brain's dehydrated, then how can you expect your brain to be operated incorrectly? Everyone's very quick to go and train their bodies in the gym, but very reluctant to train their minds, whether it's reading or journaling, meditating, hydrating. So it's like, for me, it was like, okay, well, I genuinely then went on this train of thought that electrolytes are the easiest and most beneficial additions to your daily routine that are going to have the biggest macro improvement on your daily wellness. And for me, once I unlocked that, I was like, this is, a, this is not just an athlete problem. This is an everyday problem. And I didn't want to focus on, you know, electrolytes are not just for athletes. Like being optimally hydrated is an everyday person problem. And I'm not saying I'm here and we're going to cure hydration in, you know, across the world. That's not what we're trying to do. But if we can educate people that electrolytes are crucial to your optimal sort of health and wellness journey, then for me, that's like, what I'm trying to do every day. So it's an everyday thing. It's a, a, a morning post-workout throughout the day kind of kind of vibe. Um, and it's that awful pun that I hate you. Like hydration is fluid, right? You know, you, you could be hydrated after drinking some water and then you go and do stuff and you dehydrate. It's a constant. So it's just always being like self-aware, making sure you're drinking, you know, the right amounts of water and getting the minerals in and that's the education piece that excites me the most. I think um, electrolytes really are like genuinely game changing. And it's like small things. Like I put it on my social the other day. I know I'm rambling now, but like, the biggest cause of headaches is a deficiency in sodium. You know, it's, and so it's like making sure that you, and sodium is a crucial electrolyte or mineral. And so if you're deficient and you're not getting it, you're, that's why you get headaches, partly why dehydration causes headaches. So it's like, when you start to understand like the cause and effect of things, and a lot of it boils down to dehydration, for me, it's like that massing like impact piece. Like, so I think electrolytes are and daily hydration is, is super important to everybody. And I think it's important to uh, like reiterate this is for everybody, right? We're not just talking athletes who sweat a lot and you know 
elite working at a high level. This is people who, you know, potentially, even if you're not training that day, so, you know, you're not having a training day, you're potentially not sweating yeah. buckets that day. It's still important to, would you still recommend sort of using electrolytes daily? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, we like. I think that we would say like two to four sachets a day is the right place to be, um, and I, we would say two sachets if you're not training. You know, your body still needs, you know, an adequate amount of water and minerals every day just to function at bare minimum. You know, so many people start their day on the decline or nowhere near their potential because of potentially being dehydrated, and then. Mate, I've been, I've fallen foul of it. Like I used to wake up every morning feeling tired and groggy, even after getting like eight, nine hours sleep. And then I just like, oh, that's just how everyone feels. And you just come to accept it. And I think I was speaking to, to George Heaton from Rep about this. And we both said like, I genuinely touch wood, can't remember the last time that I was ill. You know, through you know, like making sure I'm hydrated every day, the right amount of electrolytes in my system and then obviously the, the other macro health pieces that I work on as well. Like I genuinely can't remember the last time that I was sick. Um, and it's like, that's powerful for me. And I think it's not just physical improvement. It's the cognitive piece as well. It goes back to longevity. It's being able to not drop off in the afternoons and have energy into the evenings. Like energy is so tightly interwoven with, with hydration. Um, and I think if we shift away from this rehydration piece, like drink when you're thirsty and all this, like it's just not the way we want to be. We want to be proactive hydration for the everyday person um, and making that as mainstream as possible. Electrolytes are for everyone, not just for athletes. Yeah, it's interesting. I can, I can advocate for that as well. Since, since I've started, I reckon maybe the turn of the year was when I started incorporating electrolytes into my daily routine as, and especially the one I notice the most is first thing in the morning. Um, so now every single morning without yeah. fail, I will start with two sachets of Humantra. Um, before that, it was, a, it was another electrolyte and it was, I, I genuinely do see a benefit. I train early morning as well and a hundred percent seeing a sort of benefit in my energy levels and the way I feel. And almost like muscular pump, if you like, um, and just kind of the way that blood flow around the body and, and just, yeah, just generally feel better in the gym. And I think it's difficult because with, with supplements, a lot of, a lot of supplements obviously are like, you know, they're 1% stuff. A lot of it depends on, on everything else and the bigger sort of, there's so many variables that come into this sort of thing. Uh, it's like difficult. For instance, if you take yeah. vitamin D in the morning, it's difficult to then be like, oh my God, I feel amazing because of this. Like you don't really know. So it's. Whereas this yeah. is something that I genuinely have seen tangible results. And interestingly as well, I have obviously now recommend this to clients and every single person says, wow, it makes such a difference. Like, and it's just that it's interesting. It's because people are dehydrated, exactly. right? That's the reality. And like, that's it. We spoke about it. Like, and for me, like, yes, I've got a brand that sells electrolytes, but I would implore anybody that doesn't want to believe me and buy my product that if you take electrolytes, whether it's my brand or another brand, for 30 days, like I genuinely believe you will feel tangible improvement. You know, even if you just don't, if you don't want to buy electrolytes, just drink like like um, spring water, only spring water, three liters of spring water every day that's got a fair amount of mineral balance in it instead of tap water or filtered water for 30 days. And you'll see an improvement, you know. So for me, it's about like educating people that 
optimal hydration can improve your life drastically. Not about me saying my product's the best, you need to buy it. Like if my product is the solution to that for you, then fantastic. But for me, it's about like, look, optimal hydration is the easiest thing you can do every day to feel better. And I think if like that's my message on a daily basis. And and that's why like the we've we've had some semblance of success as a brand, because I think we we tried to create a formula that tasted really good, that had zero sugar in it, less than five calories in the mainline anyway. A really sort of level mineral balance. So, you know, it's, we're not just about sodium. There are other minerals. You know, you look at magnesium, you know, people take magnesium on its own to try and help them with sleep, you know, calcium, potassium. There's there's more than just one mineral that is really important to your everyday bodily function. And so for us, having like a, a more balanced mineral sort of assortment in our product was really important. And so you can actually have more than two, three, four sachets a day. Like if theory, you love drinking Humantra, you could have five, 10, 12 sachets a day because of the mineral balance is the way it is. It means you can drink more. If you have a product that's got a thousand milligrams of sodium in it, you know, there's some you know, fantastic products do have that can be great for people that are super active. You have more than two of those sachets a day and your sodium intake is way over the recommended daily allowance. Um, so yeah, for us, it was like, how can we be a conduit to better life decisions? Can we help people drink more water? And I think from the reviews we get from, from customers is definitely that they're seeing a, a direct correlation in between taking the products and their daily output and feeling every day and that they're drinking more water, which for me is like a complete win-win. Yeah, as you say, it's a no-brainer. The, the, it's, it's, it seems like one of those things where there is a huge amount of upside and no downside. No. So t- talk us through the uh, talk us through the represent collaboration that you did quite recently. Um, I know that like how did that come about, and I know that went pretty crazy, and you sold out. Was it like within the hour or something crazy? Yeah, do you know what I think? Like I look like that was probably to the date, like probably like the proudest thing I've done with any business. Um, and you know, people may think that I've been like friends with George for years and he's just helping a friend out, which, um, which is not the case whatsoever. I think like the stories actually, and I think ties into the authenticity of the piece and that's why it worked really well is I've been a big fan of rep for a number of years. Like I've spent a hell of a lot of cash giving George a load of my money. Um, you know, my wardrobe is like 99% rep, but you know, I love what him and Mike have built. Like it's incredible. And I, I think that. What a great, you know, lesson. And I always tried to sort of imitate, not copy. I wanted to imitate parts of what George was doing. And I use that word all the time with people that I respect. It's like sort of imitate, you know, learn a little bit and put it into yourself rather than just replicate what they're doing. And I just remember when launching Humantra, I was like, I just DM George and was like, look, I love your brand. I've just launched this brand. Can I just send you some product to try? And this was in like November, 2021. And he just replied back with like, I think it was like, yeah, man, of course. And then sent me the rep HQ address. And I just sent product, like a load of product to George pretty much every month for like five months. And I didn't ask anything in return, didn't chase up, didn't be, I wasn't like, um, hey, man, did you get it? Like, what did you think? And then I think in like February, he posted a picture on his story of him using the product or like it was in the background. And I was like, holy fuck. He's like, he's using this product. I DM'd him. He's like, Hey man, like obviously he gets a lot of DMs. Like I was like trying to tag you. I forgot where it come from. And then we got chatting a bit more and I then continued to send product to George. And 
and we chatted more and more. And it was a case of like, he genuinely loved the product. He was using it every day. He hadn't, he tried a load of electrolytes, still tried them as we sent them to him. And he just kept going back to, to Humantra. And I remember he sent me a link to a YouTube video he put up and he was in the US with Harry in a hotel room. And he was like, these are literally the best electrolytes I've ever tried. And we've tried them all. And it was just like a genuine appreciation and love for the product. Um, and then in November it, last year, I put a DM on my story as well. Like, um, George was like, can we do some 247 electros? And I was like, fucking, of course we can. Um, and then obviously talking about flavors, we were like, let's obviously George loves mango. And it's like, it was a really easy way of us being able to produce a product that aligned with his story. Um, we increase the sodium content. It's a 500 milligram version of sodium compared to 180 in our mainline product because it fitted with the 247 ethos of training more and replenishing the sodium piece when you're sweating. Um, and then, yeah, we tested the product in late last year. Um, we tried a few different variants of a mango, fell on the spicy mango, um, worked on the box together, and I got a real insight into how the, the rep business works, which is phenomenal, by the way. Um, and you know, seeing how George builds hype and the whole brand builds hype and to be a part of that, especially being, you know, an almost fanboy of the brand for a long time now was, was a, a real honor. And, um, yeah, man, the feedback's been unbelievable. Um, we're working on some other variations potentially down the line, maybe some different flavors as well, but yeah, it just came from like a re like a give and no ask type place. And that's how I've always built my relationships. Like just give, give, give and ask nothing in return. And I think that that authenticity has really lent itself to the success of the launch, success of the product. And man, I'm so proud. Like it's, it's been a, a real joy to do it and to work with George to, to get closer to him as well. See how that business operates is, it's been pretty incredible. Yeah. You should be proud, man. And it's, it's one of those things that I think like, like you say, the, the level of business that represent is now and the size of that brand, like they're not going to just be able to collaborate with anybody. Like, and that speaks absolute volumes to, I mean, I, I've only sort of, no, I haven't sort of followed rep, represent for too long, but I've probably seen over the last year or so. Yeah. And, you know, they're only working with people that fully align with what they're doing and good products. Like they're not going to put their name to something that isn't something that George and Mike completely believe in right and i think that says that speaks volumes I, I was sat here about two months ago i was sat here with my partner alex and we had a, I had a call with george and george was like and he was nervous because he'd never not done clothes he's always done what he's known and he's like been known for and he's great at and the electro piece was the first time they deviated from that and so like i completely understood why he was nervous um but I was like, you know, we sell a good amount of products and like anything that George puts his name to, um, you know, that is, is, is going to, uh, the level of detail they go into is going to be good anyway. And, you know, Alex sort of mentioned that product fits, story fits and, and George just ran with it. And from there, we've not looked back. It's been, it's been crazy, but yeah, it was a real honor to be like that first, like non-core clothing sort of, uh, sort of partnership and, one I don't take for you know for granted, and it's um yeah, especially like I said, being such a big fan of Red, to then be able to work with George and Mike has been been wicked. So going towards sort of yourself on a more on a more personal level, um, I know routine is something that you are 
mean, we spoke about it before, but I know routine is something that you are very hot on, you believe in, you have quite a sort of set routine in place that's that's relatively non-negotiable in your world. Um, so talk us through that routine. Like, what, How do you kind of approach your day-to-day? What are those non-negotiables? Uh, yeah, I think the way I look at it is like, regardless of what my routine is, I think the key ethos behind it is that I tell myself I'm going to do things and then I do them. Like I don't break my word with myself. Like I do get up really early in the morning. Like I get up at 4 a.m. every day. But it doesn't, doesn't matter what time it is. I just get up at the time I tell myself I'm going to get up at. Like, and I think that's what routine is for me. It's like building consistency in decision-making and not going back on my word. And I think that's really held me in good stead for life. It's like if I say I'm going to train at five in the morning, it's like even Conor McGregor says it. Like if he's going to train at this or eat his lunch at this time, he does it. And I think that if you start like breaking your own word, like that just compounds into poor decision-making down the line. And, and for me, it's like hold yourself to the highest possible standard. If you get up at 10 every morning and you say, to everyone, I'm going to get up at seven every morning, like that for me is routine. That's what it's all about. It's what works for you. And so routine, it's regardless of what I do, it's just about doing what I'm saying I'm going to do and be a man of my word. And so like for me, that's what it boils down to. I like to do hardest things possible early in the morning. I like to go to bed early at night. But ultimately, yeah, what, regardless of what it actually is, it just boils down to doing what I say I'm going to do. And I hold myself accountable to that now. Yeah, so good. So, so good. I can completely, I can completely resonate. And I think it's where, like you say, it's almost holding those standards for yourself. Something that I speak to clients about, because these things, I think these things seem on the surface as quite minor. Um, so for instance, if you set yeah. yourself an alarm for 7am and you get up at 7.30am, like the life doesn't really change too much. Like, you know, the world's not going to end, right? You're not going to lose your job, whatever it is. But it's holding yourself and it's making those promises to yourself, which I think one, builds confidence and two, just builds momentum. I think it's like yeah. a, such a, like I'm such a big believer in habit stacking and kind of like well, these things all leading, all bleeding together. Like, and if you start slacking slightly on one thing in the morning that you told yourself you were going to do, that just bleeds into everything else. And then, you know, you might do a training session that day. You were going to do this session and, or you were going to train for an hour. And then actually I'll just do 40 minutes tonight. And, and it's, it just, that carries with you. And I think it's just so important, like you say, that, that, that first piece in the day, or even if, if, if your nighttime routine potentially sets up your morning, whatever it is in your world, I'm, I don't think it has to be like a set morning, you know, go get up and win the day. But I think like you said, like you alluded to there, I think if you, Decide what you want to do, have intention and direction to it, and then just stick to your word. Just be a bit, like hold yourself to high standards. Exactly. Because I think as well, the other thing is, is if you're potentially leading people or you are a role model to some people, which most of us are in some format, if you're not holding yourself to high standards, then it's difficult to expect that from other people. And I think, like you say, it just bleeds, it bleeds into other areas of life and can become a problem pretty quickly. Yeah, I think it's like the made the bed thing. Like it's a small thing to do, but like do it. Like wake up at the time you're going to wake up, like eat lunch at the time you're going to eat lunch at, go and do the training session that's written down, like complete it. I just think when you build narrative in your head and allowing yourself to not do what you told yourself to do, you just set yourself up to fail, I think personally. 
And I've been there where I've always made the excuses, but it goes back to like when I decided to hold myself to a higher possible standard. And don't get me wrong, I used to think seven o'clock in the morning was early, as close as like three or four years ago. But I then, you know, gradually got earlier and earlier and earlier. And now like it's not about four o'clock, but for me, it's about waking up and doing something difficult. Like for me, that really, I feel that that puts me in a really good position every morning. Like I don't wake up and just watch Netflix. Like I wake up and go and do something that's really difficult. And I feel like just like that precedent for me sets me up for the day. But yeah, like I said, it's fundamentally just like saying you're going to do something and just fucking doing it. And I think as well, it's important to like look at the contrary to that. And it's something that I see a lot and I've actually done, done quite a bit of research on is the idea of the procrastination and the link that has to anxiety. And, you know, I mean, anxiety, yeah. anxiety well, is a good point. huge problem. And, you know, what, what every, like mental health is, is, a, is a huge, say, issue in the world right now. Um, but the procrastinating on things is such it's so so linked to having that anxiety and i think like even little things like that it all again it doesn't sound like much on the surface but just delaying the time you're going to get up breaking the promise to yourself which means you might miss your early morning training session that morning like all of that procrastination yeah. just adds to that stress bucket and it might not even feel it might be it might be a completely subconscious thing but again it's and i guess the reason why i say things like this i guess is because if anyone's listening that is having potentially those thoughts. I think that's one of the best ways to target, like knock that on the head straight away. Like, right, start becoming, you know, work out a routine that's going to serve you and now stick to it. You don't have a choice now. You hold yourself accountable, build that confidence, build that momentum in your life. I think that could be, um, I think that's a good takeaway to take. Yeah, I, I think one thing I used to do, like at, at school and university, if there was a particular subject that I wasn't very good at, and I was coming up to exams, I wouldn't, I wouldn't revise because it, like my counterintuitive logic was that when I f- inevitably fail that exam, well, I'll have an excuse. I didn't, I didn't do the work. And so I had an excuse to set myself up for failure. I'd almost like allowed myself to fail and I had an excuse. And that was so prevalent throughout my younger years. Whereas like, and so like, oh, I got up, I got up late because I was tired. So I didn't do, I had a really bad gym session. You suddenly create like an environment where you allow yourself not to do what you're meant to be doing. And so for me, I was like, fuck that. No more excuses. I do what you said you're going to do. And don't set, don't give yourself an excuse why it didn't work out. And I think when I made that transition, because I did it all the time, like, oh, I won't like, put the work in. I'll make that presentation and like, oh, I won't put any work in. Like, and when I do shit, it's fine. I'll make an excuse. Whereas now it's like, no, I'm going to get before. And you know what? If I have a shit gym session, that's absolutely fine, but I'm not going to fucking blame it on a decision I made you know, before it. I'm just going to take it on the chin and try and just carry on and move on. And I think that self-accountability piece for me is why routine and discipline, like I've always got something to revert back to. Like no matter how hard my day gets, no matter how stressed I get, like I'm, I'm, um, my partner and I, we do long distance. And so there's times we're not together, but when it gets really hard, it's like I've still got discipline. Like I know I'm going to go to bed early and i wake up early like it gets you through the difficult times and i think routine for me has always been that constant especially in the last three years um so i'd say like it's not about what i do it's not about what you do it's just about creating an, a structure that's going to help you every day and i really truly believe that if you hold yourself accountable and just do what you say you're going to do you just you, your whole day is going to improve completely agree. i'm moving on to 
more of the mindset side of things. I know we've, we've spoke about it a lot already, but, but, but sort of specifically, you talk a lot, uh, as in all of the research that I've done everywhere. I mean, you've got a tattoo, it's your Instagram bio, every interview I've read online. Um, there's a common theme, right? And that is you talk about chop wood, carry water. What does that mean to you? Where did it come from? Why does that take such a sort of high prevalence in your life? Uh, I read a book by Phil Jackson called 11 Rings. Um, so Phil Jackson was MJ's coach at the Bulls. He was Kobe's coach at the Lakers, arguably the most decorated um, NBA coach of all time. And uh, he was um, into spirituality. And I think reading that book actually um, made me much more aware of the energy piece in life and and, you know, I think it was a, a pretty profound seminal moment reading that book, but there's a particular point in the book when he talks about the early Lakers years and, and he, yeah, he references a Zen Buddhist quote of before enlightenment, chop would carry water and after enlightenment, chop would carry water. And essentially it really means like just focusing on the day to day, you know, don't dwell on the past, don't focus on the future, just focus on the here and the now. And I think that for somebody that's so often spent so much time regretting decisions or wishing for better life in the future like time just passed me by and i think you know the work i really did introspectively in my early 30s was me looking back it wasn't at the time i wasn't working it out as i was going i was just fortunate i could look back whereas my life now and goes back to that routine discipline pieces is about the here and the now what can i do every day that's going to improve my life or and the people around me's life and i think for me you know, especially the last couple of years being sort of difficult from a personal perspective, like with my dad's health and stuff. And I think just focusing on day to day for me was massively important. Um, and that's why that quote just, you know, you just read stuff sometimes and it just like fucking hits different. And it's like that one for me was, was really big. And, and it just sort of focused my attention onto who I am as a person, what I'm doing right now. And, you know, that made me, Again, I used to, like I said earlier, I was like thinking about when I get here, I'll be happy. It's bollocks. Like it's just a choice, like focus on the here and the now. And um, since reading that, like I'm not saying that quote changed my life, but it's, it's been a pretty big constant throughout it for the last couple of years. Great. Um, and something you alluded to there, and I apologize in advance if this is something that, that you find difficult to speak about, uh, was that you lost your dad late last year. Um, I just wanted to ask you, how, yeah. how, how hard was that? Um, and, you know, with, with business and everything kind of flourishing, how difficult did you find that? And also, do you think you would have, do you think you would have negotiated it as well if you weren't in such a good place with your health and your routine? Yeah, I think if you'd have asked me this question like three months ago, I'd have given you a completely different response. I think now, having had a bit of time to reflect on it, I think that I actually probably use health and wellness in the worst possible way. Like I used forced suffering to combat unforced suffering. Like I would train all the time to suppress my inability to deal with what was going on. And like I look back now, I think, okay, it was good because like I got myself into a, a solid health like a physical health perspective, but my mental health was in, was in disarray. Um, I couldn't cry for 18 months. Like my, like my dad passed away and I didn't cry. 
like I only cried for the first time on Father's Day, um, which was, you know, my, that was, what, six months after my dad had died. Like, it took six months after for me to, like, feel emotion. Like, I almost went into this, like, warrior mentality where I was like, I was going to be strong for everybody. Like, it was, like, almost this, like, alpha mentality where it's like, I'm not going to show emotion. Like, I'm going to be strong for my sister and my mom and my dad. And like, I just didn't stop. So I literally trained twice a day. I worked all day, every day. I didn't have a social life. Um, and it wasn't sustainable. And it only really took me, me and my partner, Alex, this year for me to be like, this is just not how you deal with things. You know, burying emotion under physical pain is not sustainable. Um, and fortunately, she helped me create an environment where I could talk about how I felt um, and that allowed me to open up and realize that like crying or being vulnerable is not a weakness. And I think for a long time, like I just suppressed it to be like, look, I'm, I'm fine. You know, and people even looked at me like, because I remember my dad passed on the 23rd of December. I flew back to Dubai on the 2nd of January. I was straight in the office. I was like, right, let's fucking go. Like, I made him a promise I was going to build a massive business. So I need to get straight to work on it. And so I, I think health and fitness helped me massively. But at the same time, I look back and I would not advocate anyone to do what I did to get through it. And I think that genuinely, like, you, you can be emotional. And even Chris Bum said, said it on Chris Williams' podcast, like, you know, Men can be trailblazers and headstrong, but at the same time, you need to embrace that feminine energy as well. Like be vulnerable, show your emotions, talk about how you feel. Because um, even like Alex, my partner, said to me, she's like, when you get emotional or even start to get emotional, you just stop talking. And it's like just getting somebody to help you talk it out. Fuck me, man. It was life-changing. And I feel human again. Um, so it's like, it's a, it's catch 22. Like, yeah, I couldn't have dealt with it all had I not been like training, but at the same time, like, uh, I wouldn't advocate anyone doing it and dealing with grief the way I did. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, I can resonate massively, uh, it just it, all the tough times in that kind of, I've been through personally, it's again, training's my turn too, which is it's this really like counterintuitive balance because it seems on the surface so healthy, right? Like it's not alcohol, it's not drugs, it's I'm just training more, I'm just putting myself yeah. in a hole every day. Like, but like you say, there's there's only so much you can take, and we are all human beings, and it's gonna come out sort of somehow at some point, and running yourself into the ground is just not the answer. Like it's not and and like you say, that was yeah. that was probably my favorite my favorite line from from that um the sea bum and and Chris Williamson on modern wisdom. It was it was that. Yeah. Was that you know, we need to realise that you can be a killer. Like you can you know go out and achieve your business goals and yeah. your health goals, and you can you know be that have that masculine energy. But also you can be vulnerable and you can open up to the people close to you, and you can yeah. you know this doesn't make you any less of a top achiever and exactly what you want to be. It just makes you a human being, and actually. Ironically, I think that side of things sets you up to go and be even more of a killer and be even more of a trailblazer, right? Like to have that side where you can yeah. know that you can rely on somebody. And also from, I think from a relationship point of view, like something that is super important and like, you know, the link with health and relationships is, is insane. 
And it's to have, if you can't open up and be vulnerable and be completely yourself, then the the quality of those relationships is going to suffer. And then what's the offset of that? Like, because, you know, when you're in the arena and you're trying to be the best that you can and you're trying to look after your health and your business and everything and be this trailblazer, you need those people behind you. Because it's, again, like what Seabum said, like he, he puts, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said, I wouldn't have achieved anything if I didn't have that backbone of people behind him to support him through the tougher times, to be there for even just that sort of sense of knowing somebody's there for you is so powerful to carry through the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I live and breathe it now. Like the energy I have, even the last three months, is night and day different. Like I would train, I would go and do like a conditioning piece. And in my head, I'm thinking like, my dad is dealing with pain and he's not complaining about it. Like, fuck me, well, I can go and do this and not complain about it. And I was just driving myself into the ground. And I thought that was like, I thought that was like, again, being a killer. I thought that's what it was about. Like I was like literally grinding myself down and it would have metastasized into something really bad had I not been fortunate to have like had somebody help me pull me out of that. And that's the reality of it. And I think I'm in a really good position now to be able to say like, it was a bad thing for me because I'm on the other side. But I think, you know, people can go through grief and deal with it that way. And it metastasizes into something else and it's dark and not very nice. But I think I'm just fortunate that I now I can see it for what it was. It was a really helpful, like, crux for me to deal with a very difficult time in my life. Um, but it, it's not sustainable. And I, but like I'm that. What's so crazy about it now is that I lost my dad six, not what, like seven months ago, and I love my dad to pieces. But I have never been as happy as I am right now. Um, and you know, that might sound counterintuitive, but like, I'm immensely grateful for the lessons I learned. I feel like closer to my dad now than I ever did before. Um, but yeah, like I said, like I'm, I'm happy now. And like, it's like, I've learned that lesson. You, you need to both adopt that masculine and feminine, feminine energy at all times. Um, and like I said, like, see, you can be a killer and you can still fucking cry. It's not like you're, you're not a killer. You don't have to answer this, but did you utilize therapy at any point or was the big, so I know you alluded to there, the big turning point seemed to be meeting your, excuse me, I've forgotten her name, uh, your partner now. And was it, was that the big catalyst? Did you, yeah. was there anything else that kind of helped you? Yeah, I gen genuinely like, no, I didn't, I'm, I'm all for therapy. Like I, I, I worked with people before on different aspects of things. Um, I'd always advocate people to talk for me. Like I didn't, but yeah, it, it took me meeting Alex for me to be in a position where I could be, I could be vulnerable and it was okay to, to maybe not be, you know, this hard faced warrior all times. And I think that the energy that I got from doing things that I thought were going to detract from that warrior energy, i.e. being vulnerable and potentially being able to cry then in turn gave me more energy because I felt fucking human again. Like I dehumanized myself by trying to alleviate emotion from my life. And suddenly then I've just got this influx of being able to feel every emotion. And for me, like that is, and like, so I enjoy everything I do way more because I'm not doing it to like take my mind off something else. And, and you appreciate things much more 
Um, so while it wasn't maybe like professional therapy, like talking to somebody and that person being Alex was just a game changer for me, 100%. You like Alex. Something that I see you talk about a lot and actually something that I believe a lot in is that you kind of have to live your brand um and kind of you are like in the in the sort of day and age we're in now particularly in the health space i think is that personal branding is such a big thing you are known as the face of it uh i know you live that like just from watching your stories and the conversations that we've had um i absolutely love the way that you live the ethos of the brand like you know you you use it you live it you are it i think that's so powerful and to be honest the reason i started using your mantra um so is that something that you put a lot of importance towards or is that kind of just natural? Uh, it's no, never been natural for me, ever. I've always been happy to like try and be faceless or nameless and just like try and almost do things in the background and stuff. Maybe that was a self-confidence piece as well. Um, but I especially having a helpful, you know, wellness product, like you couldn't be like not living and using the product. It just, it, that message just wouldn't resonate if I wasn't practicing what I preach. And so like suddenly taking photos of things more often, getting in front of the camera, like it was very alien to me, but I think it's massively important. And if I look at brands and brand builders that I love, you know, even I've used the, the George piece again, you know, George has got an amazingly engaged audience um, and he lives and breathes his brand. And I just think the authenticity from that, same with Ben at Gymshark. And I think that like to that imitation point, like I looked to everybody and every brand that I loved and looked up to, and it was like this key theme, you know, look at Nick Bear, right? Nick is the focal point in the wellness space of somebody that literally goes above and beyond from a personal brand perspective that has a crossover into his his business as well and i just think why would i not imitate from the best and especially because i'm so passionate about what i'm doing and i think the cause and and what we're trying to do for people and and it goes back to that passion point i love what i do so why would i not try and showcase that to more people and so yeah i've got the h on the back of my neck the brand is like an extension of me but it's so much bigger than me that's the reality of it like i genuinely believe like this is legacy play for me this if execute correctly like this brand can can you know last longer than me that's how i i view it and so i think a lot of people sometimes get confused that you know it's about me it's not about me i'm just doing everything i can to help push the brand into as many people's sort of periphery as possible so i'm just part of the brand like the brand is you know i'm the brand isn't me i'm just part of it and the final question um that i wanted to ask you is what is the ultimate goal with your personal health so where do you want to take things uh do you know just again goes back to how we started right it's longevity for me and and just doing things that i want to do and that i enjoy doing like if it's business, and I mean, Will Ahmed, the founder of Whoop, said this on a podcast, is like the true like success of a business is how long you last for. You know, if you can outlast your competition, just by proxy of doing that, you're successful. 
you know, a lot of people have like big come ups and then they just drop off and you never hear from them again in business or in your personal life. And so for me, it's about building things for longevity. You know, I want to have a family is massively important to me. Now I want to have kids. I want to have, you know, I want to be healthy enough to see my kids have kids. Um, and I just want to be able to do and have as much energy and things to give people for as long as possible. And I think the only way you can do that and the only way your cup can continually be overflowing is if it's built on a healthy foundation. And so for me, it comes back to longevity and, and just constantly pursuing what I'm passionate about, surrounded by cool people doing cool shit. I love the way you think, man. Charles, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. I really enjoyed it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.